If you're a church leader, you know that volunteers are busy. They're always on the go. So trying to get them into a room for training is next to impossible. The brand new version of Ministry Grid gives you the ability to meet your people where they are and train anyone, anywhere, at any time. With a new mobile-friendly design, Ministry Grid puts training in the pockets of those who need it, wherever they are and whenever it's convenient for them. Ministry Grid also offers 750 courses for every role in your church so that you can use it right out of the box or customize it by adding your own content to complement what we have already put together. To get started for free, just go to ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Now, enjoy our podcast. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I am here with Eric Geiger. Yes, this is me. And we're actually doing a podcast mashup today. I've never done one. I'm excited. Uh, and we are doing that podcast with Carrie Newhoff. That's right. The so you're also listening a to the daddy. Podcast to the Carrie Newhoff daddy. Leadership Podcast <laughs> at the same time. Isn't that weird? It's going to be it's going to be amazing. Uh, and so this is like, is this the third lies that leaders believe that we've done together? We've done the a second. few. That's for sure. I think it's the second. I think it's the third podcast, but the second lies leaders believe because that thing. Okay. That thing has a life of its own. It keeps showing up on social media, on on my channels. It's like, uh, and we'll link to that in the show notes, my show notes. And uh, we'll link to I'm it sure you will shows. as well. Absolutely. We is this a competition? Like my show notes versus your show no. notes? No. <laughs> no, no, no I don't want to. It's a of show notes. I don't know if I want to be in that competition. No, no, I would lose for sure. For oh, sure. whatever. We, so you I are. guess we can keep doing podcasts about lies because there's just a lot of them. <laughs> <They're> all, <laughs> That's right. We, I think leaders are particularly susceptible to lies. Mm-hmm. Because they're attractive or because we... No, because over the course of time, we tend to isolate ourselves mm-hmm. with a greater you know, amount of responsibility and leadership authority that right. we get. You know, We have a natural tendency to try to go it alone, which is a lie I think we covered in one of the first ones. I can do this by myself. <laughs> you could do it's the Todd it Atkins leadership like podcast. You're do the podcast by yourself. <laughs> oh, <whatever>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll ask the first question then. I'll ask the first question. All right. All right. Uh or not it's not really a question. It is a lie that leaders believe. Uh and and then uh Carrie, you can you and Eric can both respond. So okay. if I'm winning at church and not at home, I'm still winning. Mm. Eric, who's going first on that one? <laughs> Man, there's so much to say to say on this one. I, gosh, it's terrifying to think that that leaders would be susceptible to that lie, right? That, but it's true. You've seen, you've seen it. I've seen it in people. Uh, that, and I, I think the reason is, is because at work or at church, you can crank out things and get things done, and and you walk away from the day seeing results, seeing impact. And then you go home and oftentimes the impact that we have with our spouses and our kids is less each day tangible. It's more intangible. So I'm attracted to, I can easily be attracted to the winning at the office, the winning in the ministry, the winning at work, because uh, it, it fuels the, the ego there. It fuels the pride. Uh, it gives me a sense of worth and accomplishment. And so I see the attractiveness of it. I have to repent of that. The The scary thing is, is that someone would not be winning at home and still think that they're winning because uh, 
if you can't lead well at the house, you can't really lead well anywhere. No, I, I couldn't agree more, but I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, just peeling the, um, <laughs> the cover back a little bit. I went one or two rounds with one of my counselors on this when I was in my thirties, because I was winning at church. We were one of the fastest growing, one of the largest in our denomination in the country. But at that time I wasn't winning at home. And I actually, believe it or not, this is how stupid I was. Welcome to stupid mashup podcast. I actually thought that because we were winning at church, it excused everything that happened at home. And I know that's really jacked up and really stupid, but like if God, and this is, this is why I think the, that ministry is a vortex of theological confusion and it's confusing because, okay, well, wait a minute. And this was my thinking at the time. And this is like 15 years ago or whatever, but um, yeah, my wife isn't happy with me right now. I'm probably not as home as much as I at home as much as I should be. But clearly, if God is blessing what I'm doing at work, doesn't that make it all justifiable? Like, you so know, I, God, I, ask, I appreciate the transparency. It's awesome to, to hear it because I know that others wrestle with it. Did you think in your mind that um, it meant it will end up working itself out in the end or this is just a, a, a season or a phase that was some time ago, Eric, and it's a really good question. I probably thought it was just justified, like this is the price of success. Gotcha. That, and, and that somehow if God, it was really messed up, but somehow if God wasn't happy with me in my whole life, then he would basically end what was happening in ministry. And you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a case where it was an unhappy marriage. It wasn't a terrible marriage. It was just an unhappy marriage, but you know, I was busy. I was consumed. I didn't know how to run my life. And I actually tried one or two rounds of justifying that with a counselor. Uh, fortunately I had a good counselor and he called me out. And I mean, that thing, yeah. that thing fell pretty quickly. Uh, and now I would say I would rather win at home and lose at work, uh, yeah. at church, uh, you know, my, I've, I've come full circle on that one, but yeah, I mean, I actually, I actually went around with a customer on that, with a, a counselor on that and tried to win it and fortunately lost. But I think that's really easy to, um, try to figure out and try to justify. Well, what was the, I'm, I'm curious, what was the light bulb moment or the, or the, the confrontation statement that the counselor brought that, that alerted you that this is not, this is not healthy thinking. Well, at first I was just kind of like, really? Um, but I think it was only when I got to the other side fully years, like I'll, 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 you know, intellectually I conceded, okay, that's probably not true. But yeah. emotionally, I think only when I got into a much better season in my marriage, when I got into a much healthier place, that's when I started to mm. go, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, it was literally a case where now I look back on that and go like, you seriously tried that? But yeah, that was the space I was in and I was tired and that was pre-burnout. And, you know, when you're when yeah. you're exhausted and you're running hard, your brain isn't working right. But yeah, I tried that. And eh. man, I, I appreciate that. It's very helpful to hear the transparency and the learning. Let me let me give another one. Uh, if I'm winning, here's a lie. If I'm winning in the eyes of my church then I'm winning in the eyes of God. Hmm. So equating 
the church's perception of me with the Lord's perception or uh, view of my, of my life. So Todd, do you want to go first? Like, how would you answer that one? If you're winning in the eyes of the church, then clearly you're winning in the eyes of God. Okay. So, I mean, this is a, a personal, this is a personal question for me or a personal lie that I, I feel like I've believed um, before in ministry, especially early on. Um, it's so easy for us to compartmentalize our lives to say, okay, I, being blessed in ministry and therefore, you know, I, if the, the church is happy with me, uh, then God must be happy with me because obviously I'm garnering the favor of the people. Great things are happening. Um, but the reality is, uh, the, at least the reality was with me, I didn't, I was, I was basically living, uh, or leading on the fumes of a relationship with God that I had when I was, you know, younger, uh, mm-hmm. and had, it, it occurred, I turned back to God right, uh, after high school, um, found myself in ministry very early, uh, and started to get some success in that. And then, you know, over the course of time, living off of the fumes of that, you know, initial turn back, uh, come back, you know, fervor and experience and connection with God and realizing that, you know, the, the tank was empty. Um, I just knew what to do and what to say and when to say it versus doing it out of, you know, true worship, uh, for God and, and leading the, the church the way I knew I should. Man, this is, this is a lie. I've, I believe too, Carrie Todd, this is, this is one I've, I've fallen to. I, and I think as I'm listening to Todd, I'm like, man, this is happening. This has happened in my heart before. And what, what, what's led to it is, gosh, it's, it's embarrassing to admit, but where you put ministry in, on in such a pedestal or your church in such a, on such a pedestal that that essentially becomes your God. So they become yeah. equated where it's, it's one, it's one, it's one with the other. And, and I now know the term ministry idolatry, where I, I care more about what the Lord's doing through me than I care about what he's already done for me and offering Christ on my behalf. And so when I put, you know, this happened, when I'm more excited about what happened in our church on Easter weekend than I am about the reality of Easter weekend, mm. then I care more about ministry and ministry is equated with, with God. Therefore, when that happens, man, it's like if I'm winning in the eyes of the church or if I'm winning in the eyes of ministry, then that's become my God. And so that's, it's one in the same. And it's, it's definitely a lie I've, I've fallen to in the past. Yeah. I, I, I think we're all guilty. Um, you know, if you're winning in the eyes of your church, winning in the eyes of God, the part that, and I'm glad these are two separate questions. Like we started about winning at church, but not at home. I'm still winning home for me is way easier to measure than God. I mean, I mean, like, how do you know how you're doing with God? Yeah. And I would say my wife has helped me tremendously in this, as well as some counseling and just some wise counsel in my life. And I would say, how do you know you're winning with God, right? Like, I was talking about this with a friend earlier today. 
and I read my Bible on a daily basis and uh, I love you version. And I heard Craig Rochelle say something lately uh, and he meant it entirely well, but he was basically just saying, um, I love that they have streaks now, right? Cause you can see you're on a 15 day streak or a 30 day yeah, streak or right. whatever. I just wanted to clarify that. What, 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 what he meant by that. <laughs> what streaking is. <laughs> Craig Rochelle was talking about streaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well he both did. Of our he was podcasts. like, he was, uh, he was like the president of a fraternity at one point in time. I think <laughs> this is, this is pre Jesus Craig. Yeah, he it was. was pre Jesus Craig, but yeah. you know, I'm sure he knew how to have a good time back in the day. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what, for me, it's like ticking those little boxes. I did the Psalm, I did the devotion, I did the old Testament, I did the new Testament. And sometimes it's like, okay, well I did that, but how do I know that my heart's right. How, how do I even know? And it gets all jacked up in my view. Is it like I'm preaching well and, you know, surprise, surprise, John 13, the apostle Paul, it's like, where's love flowing out of your life? And if it's not flowing at home, if it's not flowing to my team, if it's not flowing to people, then I'm probably not right with God. As Andy would say these days, Andy Stanley, if you're not right with people, you're probably not right with God. And, you know, that's, that's challenging because it takes something that's very ethereal, very like, how do you know whether you're right with God, right? We're saved by grace into something very practical. And so I would have to measure it by the health and the state of the relationship of the people closest to me. I think it was John Maxwell who years ago said, um, I, oh, I'm going to butcher this, but he said something like, I, I want the people who know me the best to admire me the most. And that's not like an ego thing, but it's really easy. You know, when you have 10,000 Twitter followers or, you know, lots of downloads on your podcast, you get fan mail every day and then you come home and it's like, well, why didn't you take out the garbage? Right. And it's easy, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. easy to, to, to just be that guy. And so it's like, am I loving my wife? Well, am I loving my children? Well, am, does my team feel valued, respected? Is that love flowing through me? And there have been whole seasons of my life where the answer is like, nope. And then I'm probably not winning in the eyes of God. Hmm. And what does that even mean? I mean, if we're saved by grace through faith, right? How does that, I wrote down in, in notes and we won't do this question, but you know, I probably went on a journey of at the beginning in my twenties or thirties, I would have probably, I never would have said it at the time, but looking back, I felt like I was working for God. Like, are you happy now? Are you happy now? Am I doing a good enough right. job? Well done. I'm working for God. And then there was a period where I thought, no, it's a co-labor. I mean, that's like bad theology, but like you're working with God. Right. But of course, in the, in the Calvinist sense, you know, the third and principal use of the law is uh, a guide to the redeemed and a response to God. So mm -hmm. hopefully my life is a response to what God has done for me. And that puts it in the best light for me. Um, but I think the measure of that is love. How well am I loving the people that actually know me the best? Mm, Does that that's make sense or word. is that yeah. just? Yeah. yeah, and I and I agree. The question, uh, Todd wrote it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Todd. question. Yes, I know. But Don't I, Jesus juke me. No, You've no. already won. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually, I understand the spirit of the question, but Carrie's, Carrie's, uh, Carrie's rebuke of Todd's question <laughs> is actually, <laughs> actually kind of wise because we're not really okay, winning I'll in the eyes of the Lord. We've already I'm, won. We've already won. We're already approved in the eyes of the we Lord. We are trophies but, of his grace. But the spirit of the question is... <laughs> Is, is is do we care more about how other people 
view us than how the Lord's right. view us. It's a great so question. It's a it great really question. Is. Oh, thank you. For it that. is. Time. I mean, it's not we theologically accurate, but we it's affirm a great Todd. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, bring a more theologically correct uh, question, please. All right. Well, I don't know. I'll I'll pull one out of the bin. Um, okay. This one's fun. Uh, you guys wrote this one. One of you, I have paid my dues and I deserve mm. this. Therefore the special treatment, special perks. Come on, bring it on. Yep. I deserve well, this. I, oh, I, I see it. I see it in my heart. I, and I see it. I just have been recently reading, uh, and, and writing someone on David. So David, phenomenal leader, King of Israel, you, you read second Samuel 11 and, other enemies are now bowing to Israel. And then, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 10. And then 2 Samuel 11 is when his downfall happens, his implosion when he commits adultery with Bathsheba and then ultimately murders her, her husband. And it's like, what is going on in this guy's head? He was a man after God's own heart. He, he wrote Psalms. He, he was the king of God's people. And he got to a point when you read the narrative where it's clear, I am the king Look at my approval ratings. Look at all I've all that I've done for the people. Anything I want, I deserve. If I want this woman to come to my palace, then go get her. Go get her. And there is there is great danger in believing that you are entitled to something, that you're owed something, because that you know we believe as Christians that. We can't that anything we have is only because he's given it, not because we've done anything to achieve it. But we start acting as if we've earned it or achieved it. It 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 pulls us away completely from relying on his grace and can pull us, as we see in David's life, into some really dangerous places. Oh, totally. You know, that that passage speaks to me because I'm the same way. I mean, I love David. I love the young King David. I love David, not really in exile, but even before he became king where he has all those years and waiting. But you know, if I, I haven't got the passage in front of me right now, but if I think, I think the details are that it was around noon. It was the season when the Kings normally go to war. So it's yes. interesting there. You've got a King who's not at war. It's a season where the King is normally at war and he's basically strolling around the palace roof at noon, kind of looking around or whatever time of day it was. And he spies something he loves and he's like, yep, it's mine. And I think that's yeah. where you start to appreciate or you, you start to feel entitled to the fruit of the ministry more than the work of the ministry. You, you want the perks, you don't want the work. And I, I think that can be, you know, Stephen Covey writes about that in the context. I think he uses the phrase uh, about the goose that lays the golden egg using that old story. But, you know, as long as you're focused on production, that's great. But as soon as you just start living for the eggs, you eventually kill the goose. And there, you know, I, I think I think that's a real problem. And there's a whole culture around that in some churches. And sometimes it disguises itself as honor or whatever, but you know, we need to take the posture of a servant and I have to, I have to be careful. Can I throw a wrinkle into this question? Go for Absolutely. it. Because it's like, okay, well, what about like, does that mean you should never ever fly business class? Does that mean you should always drive a beater? Does that mean you should always park at the back of the lot or you should never have the corner office? Like, where's the line on that stuff? Hmm. 
Da, da, da. I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking about that a lot. I didn't want to be the third one to answer. Or the first, uh, I was waiting to see if you, if you, uh, if you were going to answer your own question or if Todd was. Uh, I think the line is often it's, and this is why it's challenging because it's the, it's the, it's the motivation of, of the heart is the, is the motivation of the heart. I want to, uh, to show off. I want to, uh, to show how successful I am or is, um, you know, the motivation of this place that I'm going on vacation with my wife, that's maybe a little bit larger bedroom, uh, or, or a spare room than, than, uh, not because I'm, I'm working on a project. I need, I need some, uh, I need some extra space to work. I mean, what's the motivation that's, that drives the decision, which is sometime, which is oftentimes hard to discern from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I fly a lot. I do a lot of travel. So again, confession time. I always thought I'll never fly business class. You know, I'm a pastor, et cetera. Well, but a year and a half ago, I got upgraded a couple of times. Then you realize, wow, I do show up better rested. You <laughs> oh, know, and you, get so much work done. you get a lot of work done and I travel a lot. I travel an awful lot. And so where the opportunity happens, I will jump into a better seat or even business class. And I've really wrestled with that. I'm like, am I becoming that guy? On the other hand, I know when I'm in row 28 in the middle seat and I show up exhausted and tired and I show up at home and, you know, I'm not there to give. I'm there to take because I'm burned out from my trip. That's not good either. So I look at it and, and this could be total justification. But what is the ecosystem in which you thrive? Right. What is the what is the I don't like a lot of clutter. So I organize my office in such a way that it's just simple space where I can where I can work and I don't get distracted by a lot of mess. Um, in a similar way, I was getting really tired just flying from city to city to city and even putting limits on how much I spoke or what I did. It would still make me tired. So um you know, I don't know whether that's just justification or whether that's actually I would good. Say on, on the other hand, I park at the back of the lot at our church. I don't have a reserved parking spot. Yeah, and are you doing that now? Are you doing that to make up for? <laughs> yes, I park in a different city and I walk. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say that's how humble I, I am. Park. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, it's I, hard. It's hard. The human heart's hard to know, right? It's hard. Yeah. Who can know it? I will say, um, you know, we do we do a conference and Kerry has, has spoken, um, both he, he has spoken at pipeline conference. He will be speaking at pipeline West in, uh, in February. Um, and you know, we interact with a lot of speakers, a lot of leaders and, and I've never even questioned, um, like, it's, it's not like you don't send uh, a writer or something that says, the, this is all the demands I have. <laughs> I no temperature sure water. I have uh, no brown on, yet. If you on water. Yeah, that's not, that's not carrying you off. There's no, we, we, we have utmost respect for, absolutely for you uh, as someone who, who walks humbly with the Lord. And, and, and so I, well, I hope so. You know, that's what I want to be. And yet, you know, I have that discussion with my team and, and, you know, if the church, if there's budgets an issue, I'll eat the difference if I'm in one of those better seats. But, um, you know, I, I don't know, I guess, do you think it happens when you stop asking the questions? Is that when you really start to drift into dangerous territory? I think it might and be. Right? I think that's good insight. I think asking the question, it, what's going on in my heart? 
is is a, is a great place to be as opposed to you know what I don't even care I just don't mm. even care right yeah that, that, that's when you think that's you when I think it. you get calloused and, and when you think you you're owed everything. And we've invited people into decisions. We have a nice house. It's not a crazy, ostentatious house. It's a house that a lot of people who go to our church could afford. Um, but, you know, when I bought it eight years ago, when we bought it, we walked a couple of the elders through and we said, is this too much house? And so wow. I think if you're willing to live in a, and we've used it many times over, but, you know, one day I'll use my uh, 7 million square foot house as a justification for ministry. You hear that too, right? <laughs> so, well, we use it for ministry. No, mostly you use it for yourself, actually, I've seen. Right, right. So, <laughs> so that's, that's challenging. It really is. So um, how about you guys? How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you keep your heart right on perks and special treatment? Well, Lifeway, we have a ton of policies, so <laughs> so you know that, that there, there's there, there's one there's really two approaches. You can ask yourself deep, penetrating questions like you're doing, or you can just have a bunch of policies. Because people before you maybe made the mistake of uh, feeling like they deserve things, and yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, and I'm making fun of the policies. Sometimes the policies are helpful. Uh, it's kind of the, the uh, draw of. I do not view a policy as legalism, right? Legalism is when you're you're doing a thing to qualify yourself to God. A policy is not not legalism, but a policy can unfortunately cause you to not ask the deep penetrating questions. That's the the downside of policy. The upside of policy is you don't have to ask the deep penetrating questions. Right, right. Uh, You'll always be in row thirty six in the middle seat, yeah, right? Thirty six B. As soon as you see that, you're like, oh, it's going to be a tough flight. I go for yeah. I go for the aisle seat. Yep. But I am on Southwest. <laughs> but next time we next time next time I lead someone to the Lord in in 36A, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, you let me know. That's good. All right. Uh, who's got the next question? This is good. All right. Um, I'm going to go, and this is a double question. Mm-mm. Uh, people. It's when you think this is a lie. I think uh, I've have, have believed at one time or another. Either people aren't being honest with me, so I'm I'm kind of maybe paranoid. I'm not sure, or people are being honest with me, and leaders can be blind. So people aren't being honest with me, or people are being honest with me. Give I me think both of those can that. be. Help me understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like Carrie. I need you to. You saw that office. There's episode a story there. behind this talk. <laughs> Where Michael Scott says, turn. "Explain it to me like I'm five. Well, okay. So I've seen I've seen guys who constantly leaders who constantly believe, oh, people aren't being honest with me. Mm. Nobody's being honest with me. Nobody's mm. telling me the truth. I have to dig out the truth. Um, and then I've seen other people who are just blind. And they think, oh, everybody's being honest with me. But they're oh, not. okay. But they're so, not. So the people, right. yeah. So the one, the person who says people aren't being honest with me, uh, they're paranoid. Exactly. And then the person who who says, man, everyone's just being honest with me, but not really. You're, that you're saying that they're that they're blind. Yeah, that leader is potentially, and about to uncover something in a bad way. So w- w- if you if you default to one of the other ones, Todd, which one do you default to? Um, I tend to default to people aren't being honest with me. You t- you would you actually would default to being paranoid rather than default to being blind. I would yeah. If you that's if my you default. Force me in a camp. 
That's my default. They're just saying those things because they're afraid to tell me the truth or they're being nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you, are you different? No, I, I think it's your, now, you, now you've asked the question. <laughs> Well, the, the fact and I'm going to turn it back. On all eyes on Eric. All eyes on Eric. <laughs> I'm wrestling with the answer, and, and I'm and I'm wondering if you you set this up to confront me in front of everybody. <laughs> means I must be paranoid. <laughs> this is the intervention. The podcast is yep. a total setup for this, Eric. That's what it is. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I I hate to admit that it's a good question because it's it's causing me to think which one am I more likely to be paranoid or blind? And I probably am more likely to be paranoid. Mm-hmm. Although I've had seasons. I mean, that would be my leaning. I've had seasons where I'm like, people are being totally honest with me. And then somebody comes up and says, well, actually they're not telling you the last 5%. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. so why do well, we get ourselves in that position where we can't even be sure of the honesty of the feedback that we're getting? What is, what is missing in that? I think, uh, I think at times that, that I've chosen to be blind, is I'm overwhelmed and I don't have time to fix the problems. Mm-hmm. And so choose to just believe that I've, I know all the facts because I don't have time to learn a new fact that's going to create a ton of work. Right. Um, yeah. I, could, I could see that. And on the paranoid side, I could see, um, like Ty just said, trust. Uh, oh, man, I, I that what's driving that is not, not being in a culture where, where you feel safe. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so, so Eric and I have known each other for, I don't know, 14, 15 years. Yeah. And so, um, wow. I had my, I had my performance review with him yesterday and I, I think that he's definitely being honest with me. I yeah. trust that, <laughs> I trust that Eric is going to be 100% completely crystal clear, uh, direct, um, and part of that is your personality, but part of it is the trust that's built up Black over trust. the course of, yeah. over the course of time that being honest with me, it doesn't mean he doesn't like me totally mm-hmm. like just because, uh, and, and I think sometimes we as leaders, especially if we're at a, a mid level, it's like, we don't, we, the, we don't want people sometimes to be honest with us because we feel like it hurts or, or they don't like us when the reality is that you know, if he's correcting something in me, it's not because he doesn't like me. It's because he cares enough about me and my ministry to, you know, help make it better. So I think that creates a lot of trust. But I would say, you know, especially before I know people, um, I'm always trying to anybody listen to the podcast knows I'm like a profiler. So I'm always trying to figure out where people are coming from, <laughs> what their angle is uh, and all that. But no, you know, it's, it's good that we're having this conversation because you guys both lead something very significant, like you're in charge of a lot. And yet none of you are at the top of the org chart in your organization. You have a CEO that you report to a boss. So mid-level, I can see that being different. I'm more in a position where in a smaller organization or church, I've usually been the lead guy, which can create um, a different kind of paranoia. Because, you know, they say it's lonely at the top and basically you're in a position where you would be with Dr. Rain or with Tom, where, you know, he's got the power to hire and fire everybody in your organization. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when you're at that level, um, 
you know, you become suspect, you, you, you fall to those two poles, which I think you describe well, it's that, well, of course things are going well. That's exactly what Todd and Eric tell me, or, um, Hmm, they're not telling me the truth. And what I've found in, in, from my seat is it's what Jim, well, it's a little bit like what Jim Rohn said. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, but think about Mm -hmm. the five people that you hear from the most regularly. Are they in a position to give you unfiltered feedback? Are they in a position to give you the truth? You know, they love you. They respect you. They're on their, your side. They're not your perpetual critic, but will they be able to tell you, no, when you thought you crushed that meeting, actually you crushed people. You didn't crush the meeting, Mm -hmm. you crushed people. And do you have that level of transparency around you? And I know in those seasons, and I've been fortunate to have a lot of seasons where I think I've had that kind of transparency around me where I'm getting unfiltered feedback. And that is so helpful because it helps you realize, okay, they are actually on my side for a reason, but I'm not perfect. This is where I'm messing up. So, you know, if you don't have somebody who um, can give you that kind of feedback, then, you know, you're either you, you snap their head off last time that happened, or you've got the wrong people around you. One of the two. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Well, I think we have time for one more. So one more. Carrie, Carrie, what do you, right. what do you got? Um, oh, I'm going to go here because it just seems to be in the cultural water. My secret sin doesn't matter. Eric, what do you think? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is, this is a very light question so, to wrap what? things up, Eric. This was this was one Gary put down. I did. This is a potential he put down. I didn't. I didn't Secrets in mm. it for sure. It for sure matters. Uh, it matters for 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 multiple reasons. And 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 we know this about the human heart. We know this from from people we've talked to. We know this even even in our the sin in our own hearts. So unconfessed sin in the life of a ministry leader or any leader for that matter. It it does at least two things, at least these two things. It will steal the confidence um, or even the anointing or the sacred conviction. You, you'll, you'll stand up to speak or you'll be in a meeting the lead and you won't have the, the holy unction conviction because this sin is um, – is causing you to to not enjoy the communi- the, the close relationship with the Lord that you that you once did. Um, so there's there's that, and the second thing that it for sure does is if it's unconfessed and it just builds and continually pulls you further and further from the Lord, uh, your affections further from Him, it causes you just to live and do stupid things, stupid things. So sin multiplies in your heart. If you don't confess and repent, it's just going to multiply and, and cause you to do things you never thought you'd do, to think things you never thought you would think, to go down paths you never thought you would you would pursue. So in the short term, it, it steals your confidence as a spiritual leader. In the long term, it it, it will destroy you. Hmm. That's a weighty question. Yeah, it's a weighty one. And, uh, you know, there, there are days where I'm extremely glad I'm in ministry because I think, hey, there's stuff you don't get away with in this field. 
that you could get away with as a lawyer. You could get away with in business. You could get away with as an entrepreneur. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have integrity in those areas. I have lots of friends in the business sphere and I love them and they're great people. And a lot of them are better people than I am. But what I am saying is, you know, there's a certain like I, I'm glad that the church owns my computer because I might be in places that I wouldn't normally be in or otherwise be in if, you know, there wasn't that level of accountability on my life. So I think that can be really, really healthy, that fear can be a good thing. And then I do think, I think you hinted at it, Eric, it, it interferes with your intimacy, your intimacy with God, but also with your spouse. And, you know, I would just say to leaders too, not everybody needs to know your secret sin, but somebody needs to know. And that's the problem with secret. Like, who are you going to tell? Are you going to tell a counselor? Are you going to tell your best friend? Are you going to tell your spouse? Are you going to tell, like, who are you going to tell? And we all, I mean, we don't even have to go to who, but I mean, we have just seen leaders topple left, right, and center um, over the last mm -hmm. few years because right. of just character issues. It's not that they weren't smart. They're great communicators. They're super intelligent. They clearly can lead large organizations and they're fallen left, right, and center. And that's a character issue. And I really do believe your competency will take you only as far as your character will sustain you. Right. You look at Tiger Woods still yeah. trying to make a comeback a decade later. And what happened? Right. Arguably, it was a moral collapse or or yep. the outing of that part of his life that just threw his head off to the point where he can't play the game like he used to. And he technically is one of the best in the world. I think of, uh, well, uh, one thing I, I do want to say, you know, before we before I, I say my answer is just really appreciate what uh what eric said about stealing your confidence stealing your power stealing your joy stealing your feeling of uh relationship with god it it, it matters and it matters a lot the other thing that it does um not to use a, a sports analogy everybody listens knows i don't use i don't watch sports but it's been years so, since so. you watch sports actually years i think of i think of the shattered bat I think of, I think of a, a, a giant who had an amazing career, who seemed to have an amazing integrity and the bat was shattered and the cork was there and everybody saw, you know, everybody could see his secret sin and it was exposed uh, for everybody to see. So it's just not worth it. I mean, you know, a person who is, who had that much skill who had that much uh, domination in a particular sport to then go out in that way um, because he may have been getting older and felt like he it, it, maybe he felt like he deserved to, to still be in that that spot but for whatever reason it that secret sin found him out and it's a tension you know obviously and we know this we're all sinners none of us is righteous and yet um, it's the secrecy that kills us it's not necessarily always the sin. It's the secrecy. Secrecy. And I would say if someone hasn't confessed, if you have not confessed sin to God in the last 24 hours, then you really need to rewind this and, and listen to it again. Because uh, I, I think that's where, you know, day by day, if, if we don't, if we aren't, if we do not feel the, the weight of our sin, if we are not bringing it to God, then we have a, 
a, a real we're putting ourselves in a very poor position where uh, we're susceptible. We're, we're becoming callous. You know, it's really interesting in all of these lies that we've talked about, the five that we've talked about, they all tend to be heart issues. They all tend to be mm-hmm. um, relational heart issues. And aren't these the things that really do in leaders? It's not, gosh, you really only got a C in, you know, hermeneutics. It's, it's like, you know, most of us can figure that part out. We can read a book, we can get better, we can go to a conference, we can listen to a podcast, but it is the heart issues that continue to tear families apart and ministries apart. And uh, I'm glad we talked about this stuff. This is good, guys. Me too. Very good. Yeah, thanks for letting me crash the party. You guys are the podcast daddies. It's good to, it's good to be with you. <laughs> Eric, it's fun to have you. And Todd, thanks. So uh, this for those of you who listen to my podcast and don't listen to 5LQ, uh, get on over there and uh, subscribe. Likewise, uh, we would say the same. I'm sure most of you already listen to uh, Carrie's podcast, but um, please go to iTunes and leave him a rating, a review and be sure and subscribe. First, subscribe, listen to a few. You'll love them. Then leave the rating and review. And we'll probably hang out at Pipeline <laughs> next month, right? Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of Very fun. Much what are the dates for that? It's mid-February, isn't it? February that 20th, is, I think. Uh, February 22nd and 23rd. 22nd is Pipeline Conference. And then believe it or not, we've got um, 90% of the people that come to the conference actually do the coaching day as well. Uh, cool. I think we, we may just start doing coaching days instead of the conference because we're so <laughs> forget popular. the conference i'll kill forget you the conference, conference we don't need to do it promise you yeah oh good 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 yeah. all right well very much looking forward to it i'm sure you are because you'll be coming from canada to mm-hmm. cali to in california february, in february. Mm, okay all right i'll do that <laughs> <Good deal. laughs> thanks guys thanks man thanks for listening